This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Trilin and Sharad Kutten. Tonight, we're discussing AI and whether it could lead to millions losing their jobs. So we'll be checking in with the CEO of Malaysia's HR Forum uh, on this, but we also want to know, are you worried you're going to lose your job to AI? And if so, how are you preparing for it? Let us know that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U Mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. Is 6.08. So, uh, last week, Human Resources Minister Viziva Kuma said that approximately 4.5 million Malaysians may face unemployment by 2030, that is seven years uh, away, if they don't improve their skills because of the increasing prominence of artificial intelligence. Now, his speech was at the launch of the Industry Driven Talent Acceleration Program 2023, or ID TAP, and he said that the figures were based on the 2020 World Economic Forum. He pointed out that AI is already being used to automate tasks in a variety of industries, including manufacturing, healthcare, customer service, and uh, the report that he was referencing says that 50% of workers will need to be retrained to remain employed in the next two years, um, especially with the advent of IR 4.0. Yeah, so 4.5% of the workforce is something like... 4.5 million Malaysians. 4.5 million jobs uh, represents about one third of the workforce. So that's actually staggering when you think about it. Um, And many experts are saying it's going to go, especially in the semi-skill and low-skill segment of uh, the job market. So, And they're looking at 75 to about 80% of job losses there. Um, Some experts that we had this morning on on BFM saying that these numbers seem credible uh, considering what's happening globally. It's also worth pointing out that um, the minister said that the need to enhance skills is not only for career advancement or change, but to stay in the job. And I think that why that stuck out to me so much is because for a very long time, we have been talking about upskilling uh, or reskilling very much in the context of doing better for yourself. Uh, In other words, if you want to be able to advance, uh, if you want to be able to earn more, if you want to be able to pivot, then these are the things you need to do. But now the argument is more dire. The argument is not that you need to learn these things in order to earn more money. Now it's a, if you want to stay employed, these are some of the things you might need to consider. Yeah. And, you know, I think, Lynn, when I listen to the conversations out there about AI, I think a lot of us don't quite understand what AI means. Uh, I think... Many of us land on the idea of automation and we think that it's those repetitive tasks that are going to be replaced, which might actually lead to us cheering because in a job, you might have many tasks that are repetitive and you would like to see them but done some by somebody else. But actually, the whole point of AI is it's more than just a robot. It's more than just a mechanical arm extending human capacity. It, in fact, will have some of the attributes that we think are uniquely human. And that's where the danger is, really. So uh, we 
like to hear from you. Are you worried that you're going to lose your job to AI? Is that a real possibility? And if so, how are you preparing for it? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Arul Kumar Singaravalu, founder and CEO of the Malaysia HR Forum. Keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Backing feminist movements, BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is six twelve, and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We are talking today about the uh, statement that the Human Resources Minister made, uh, saying that approximately four and a half million Malaysians may face unemployment by twenty thirty if they don't improve their skills. We are asking you: um, Are you worried? Is is this a legitimate worry? for you, that you might lose your job to AI and how are you preparing for it? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now to talk about this, we have Arul Kumar Singaravalu, founder and CEO of Malaysia HR Forum. Arul, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start on your observations about how AI is impacting the job market right now, right this second. Well, I think uh, AI do uh, have impact, but I think we may have overplayed the impact of AI. This is my view. Well, so, but but why do you think it's overplayed? Because this is a global conversation. Uh, We've had statistics that suggest that this is going to have, uh, uh, you know, consequences for millions that work in Malaysia. Why do you say it's overplayed? So that's true. Uh, See, maybe we should look at uh, past happenings uh, to look at what future may hold for us. Now, if you look at, uh, you know, one, two decades ago, we talked so much about uh, IR 4.0. I mean, we started IR 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. 4.0. We spoke on digitalization. We spoke on digitization and so on and so forth. But when we look at, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of uh, alarm bells was, you know, rung at the time. So do we see jobs taken away from people today? Uh, we see jobs being reduced, but not taken away entirely. And uh, there are many examples we can uh, explore and we can discuss uh, so one small example that I can illustrate, you know, uh, the the birth of Grab or ride hailing, uh, has it taken away the job of taxi drivers? Answer is no. We may need less taxi drivers today, but we need more Grab drivers tomorrow. So the forms and shapes may change, but it may not take away the job entirely. So... Part of why uh, we're talking about it is because the HR minister has said that 4.5 million Malaysians could risk losing their jobs if they don't upskill in time for this shift. And um, I think, you know, when people saw that number, it's it's really frightening. Uh, what do you make of these figures? Does it alarm you? Yeah, sure. In fact, when I when I read the report for the first time, I was telling myself, uh, you know, this 4.5 million, uh, is it really true? Uh, you know, do we have proper data to back these numbers and so on and so forth? But for me, I'm of the opinion it is still too early to tell us. Uh, there are some signs uh, that the job market may be affected, uh, but I don't think it is at a stage that we need to be worried about. Will it bring change? I think so. But will it eliminate job? Perhaps for some areas, but not at the magnitude many are claiming. So jobs may become simpler, may become lean and more efficient. But human intervention, in, human intervention will still be required. So let's look at banking sector. You know, banking sector has gone through, uh, you know, uh, numerous transformation. Has the bank, uh, the bank teller's job completely disappeared? Answer is no. You saw a reduction, but not completely being eliminated. So I would say that jobs may reduce, uh, but not at the rate that, you know, we have heard. 
Yeah, so Arul, that's very interesting because you bring up the question of rate of change and you mentioned earlier with the industrial revolutions, you know, the the succeeding ones always took a lot of time. What we are seeing with AI is such a acceleration in terms of change. So your speculation, what you're seeing around it, do you think it's going to happen very suddenly? Uh, we're going to reach a tipping point or do you expect a much more gradual pace which will allow many of us as individuals but also collectively to make the changes that are necessary? I don't think it's going to be a drastic. Uh, it will take some time because we need to perfect uh, the way things are done, uh, the way AI is implemented. There's going to be trial and error. There's going to be uh, you know, uh, perfection being made to the processes, etc. So I would say that at the end of the day, uh, processes that requires decision-making, that's going to be done by human. AI will help in making a decision, but it cannot make the decision. So even banks today, I would say they use data to make a decision, but data does not make decision alone. So when we say AI, we are very much looking at data, how things are done. So it may simplify the process, it may eliminate certain redundant processes, but finally, at the end of that spectrum, you need a human being to say, yes, go ahead. So this, this is my view. So this is something that um, Sharad was talking about earlier, that people might not fully understand AI. Uh, as a term, right? Uh, do you think there is enough awareness on what artificial intelligence actually encompasses and how that might end up relating to a person's given job or their industry? Yeah, I think I agree with the, that statement as well. The awareness today, in my perspective, uh, it is very much at the upper value chain. It's very much at the higher level, but not at the level of blue-collar workers. So when you speak to, it depends who, have, who our audience are. If the audience are blue-collar workers, uh, those that are uh, illiterate or not well-educated, they may not be able to comprehend what is AI, the impact of AI. So, and they will not know what AI is going to do to them, to their job down the road. So I think awareness is uh, awareness is being created, but not at the level that the low level stuff, the guys at the, at the lower value chain will understand. So we need to break this down into smaller units, uh, easy to comprehend, easy for them to relate to their uh, job and their daily life. Now, Errol, you know, you put, putting on your kind of HR hat, when you talk to an employer, some, uh, somebody young coming into the industry or any industry, uh, is there a distinction to be made between jobs and tasks and where AI might be transforming certain tasks, but not necessarily the job as a whole? Yeah, this is what exactly I'm trying to say. So the task may become simpler, uh, may become uh, leaner. Uh, we can reduce uh, instead of three steps or you know, uh, four steps, we can reduce to one or two steps. But the job would still require a human being uh, to some extent to be completed. So are there specific roles, though, or industries that are going to be drastically transformed by AI? And what types of technology, AI technology, do you think will be driving these transformations? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. And something that I think we can, we can guess, but we cannot say with certain, you know, with high certainty, what jobs will disappear and what jobs will still be around for the next 10 years. But again, when we look at the past and uh, examine the present based on what we, you know, uh, what we thought of, what we guessed in the past, uh, I believe uh, it will affect those non-manual jobs. So jobs that require manual labor or very labor-intense job will still be around for some time. But the jobs that require lesser manual intervention, that requires a little bit of thinking, a little bit, a little bit of, uh, you know, data manipulation, etc., these jobs may be affected, but not those labor-intensive uh, jobs. 
Now, Arul, can we talk about upskilling? Because there's a lot of chatter about this, um, especially people already in the workforce and you know, how can they better do their jobs, for instance. But uh, what kind of ups- upskilling do you think we need now that AI is sort of on the horizon uh, that bring higher value or would be in high demand in the future? Well, I think there are many forms of upskilling that is available today. Uh, some of the ones I can think of, I can give you some names, are agile training, uh, agile online training. We talk about in-person training, blended learning. Uh, we talk about community upskilling, mentorship, hands-on learning, etc. So it's a little bit hard to pick, you know, which uh, will give us higher value and so on. But it very, very much depends on the role that a person is playing. What would be a better intervention for this role? What type of learning opportunities or what type of learning mode would be suitable for a blue-collar worker? What kind of learning opportunity or upskilling opportunity or upskilling mode will be relevant for those in the office environment? But these are the various forms and shapes of uh, upskilling that is available today. And what challenges do you see the current workforce facing when trying to upskill themselves in AI-driven technologies? I think what is lacking is clarity. So if there's a clear clarity on how this how AI is going to affect your job, how you can circumvent the change that is going to happen. Uh, so I think education is still lacking. Awareness is still lacking. Uh, education awareness is lacking because we are still talking with jargons and uh, big stuff. But we, are not, we have not really broken down into bits and pieces that can be easily understood by you know, the entire workforce at their level, at their scope, at their function. Now, the government is, has initiatives like the National AI Framework to help promote the adoption of AI in the workforce. What roles can uh, be played by industry, by those in, in universities to develop AI talent and AI-driven innovation? Well, this is uh, some, another interesting question. I think the role of academia is very simple. Uh, the graduates that is being produced by them, they are AI-ready. Now, Forget about the guys who are already in the field. Sometimes it's not easy to, you know, not easy to train and teach uh, those who are in the industry for ages. But those who are coming out to the industry in the next uh, two, three, four years, we need to ensure that this group of new breeds that's coming to the workforce are well-trained on AI. They understand what AI is. They, you know, they're given the right foundation, you know, to prepare for future changes. So for academia, it's very simple. Focus on the graduates that is being produced today. Right, you know, uh, we have got graduates on one hand and those who are already working today. That's a lot to handle by the university. So focus on the graduates. That's uh, the role of academia. Whereas for the industry is to look into your current existing workforce, the workforce that you have today. How can we now upskill them uh, to prepare for the AI onslaught? How can we prepare them for the changes that is going to happen by AI? You know, the innovation that is going to take place. How they can play a part. So whether it's uh, you know, let whether it's uh, computer skills, whether it's uh, artificial intelligence, whether it's data mining, etc. Perhaps they could look into that aspect. So academia, focus on our graduates and undergraduates. For the industry, focus on the workforce. How do you think all of these advances will help us think more critically about our career path and the choices that we make, especially, you know, in thinking about long-term careers or future-proofing, things like that? Wow, okay. Um well, I see. Let me see. How do I how do I frame this up? Um, I think when we look at AI today, uh, we really do not know to what extent AI is going to change our lives. I think some areas we are already seeing it today. We are already feeling it today. 
uh, for example, you know, we could, uh, you know, banks could process data, you know, within minutes instead of within hours, uh, what we saw in the past. So I think these changes uh, will help us to will, will help us to preempt what we need to prepare for the future. So the career path choices that we make uh, for graduates make is to look at what are the interest level that these graduates have, uh, what are the changes that will happen in future, what are the skills that they need, and work along those paths. It's a bit difficult for me to give you, you know, clear-cut answers, uh, you know, in specifics what and how. But I would say that for graduates today, if someone is going into those data-driven job jobs that uh, relies on data, so I think what they need to do is identify what are the skills they need to have today uh, that will be useful tomorrow uh, as they come up. But those jobs that is very uh, mechanical, that requires a lot of uh, labor, uh, handwork, etc. I think that one, that group, I think I'm not so worried about them, but I'm more worried about those that will be working very much with uh, machine learning uh, computer systems. Now, Aral, you know, you're a human resource uh, professional. When you think about the enterprise level, when we think about uh, a business that is now dealing with the possibility of introducing or adopting AI, what should uh, HR, as a department of that enterprise, do in preparing or uh, making it easier for uh, people working in that organization to accept AI? Because I think there's a lot of fear around AI today, isn't there? So how do you get that engagement or that conversation going? I think there's two aspects to it. Uh, the first is awareness, creating awareness on how AI is changing the workplace. Uh, second is to educate them or to train them. So once we have created awareness, I think the receptiv receptivity will be there that a change has got to take place. I, as an employee, if I want to continue this job, if I want to hold on to this job, if I want to propel forward, I need to get myself upskill in this area. So two things, awareness first, then train or educate them. Arul, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much. That was Arul Kumar Singaravalu, founder and CEO of the Malaysia HR Forum, weighing in on the subject of AI and how it's shaping the job market. Uh, let us know, we are asking you, are you worried that you're going to lose your job to AI? Or maybe I'll adjust and say, um, are you worried that your job is going to change significantly because of AI? How are you preparing for it? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll return for all your messages and calls. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Backing female ministers. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. Uh, today, we are talking about AI and jobs. This is after the Human Resources Minister, V.C. Vakuma, said that approximately 4.5 million Malaysians may face unemployment by 2030, that's seven years away, if they don't improve their skills with the increasing prominence of artificial intelligence. And that's prompted us to ask... Um, is your job, do you see your job being changed fundamentally by AI? How are you preparing for it? Is it something that you're worried about? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, let's start off with a voice note. Hi, uh, this is uh, Maha and I'm a science communicator. And I think my job cannot be replaced by AI because 
science communication is not just about giving facts and data and if it was that simple everyone will be uh, will not be anti-vaccine or anti-genetically modified food or any new technologies so science communication to be effectively done we need storytelling understanding of the cultural social behavior of the community um, the language barriers and um, even some psychology and emotional uh, things as well we need to put emotional things and humanize the facts not just giving hard facts so i don't think a chat gpt or ai can replace my job so i'm happy about that Maha, thank you for that voice note. I think that actually um, listening to you, I feel bolstered and convinced, but I am also curious to know how it might make your job easier Um, because it might not take it away, but is it something that you've used? Is it something that's been helpful to you? Yeah, you know, Maha brings up a very important point, and I think this is emerging in the discussions around AI, not just what AI can do, but what it cannot do. And so the idea of what is a unique human skill, I think, is essential as a conversation that we need to have. Uh, and Maha, you know, thanks for pointing out some really important dimensions of uh, of work and life, really, by talking about storytelling, uh, about cultural knowledge and being sensitive to that when trying to communicate and also the whole idea of EQ. Though, you know, if we had a technologist in the room, they probably tell us people are working on the EQ version of an AI-driven service. So there are some jobs that require people to like you, right? And I I think about that in quite a, you know, to a point, because if you work in a job that requires a certain amount of that elusive word, likability. People need to like you, relate with you, empathize with you. Some jobs are like that. Um, I wonder whether how an AI enters the picture there because EQ is one thing, but likability and building a relationship is something else. Yeah, so we can talk about our jobs, Lynn, you and me, mm-hmm. in, a, in a business where our personalities are very important to the are delivery. <laughs> well, we like to think so. I mean, this is, you know, this is what the whole AI conversation is. It's a holding a mirror to us, right? And we, as Maha, you know, firmly believes that she isn't afraid of the advent of AI because her job is secure. Uh, we too think the problem with AI is it is not robots. It's not m- uh, mechanical stuff, right? It is this form that tries to emulate the human in terms of its skills. And I think that is where I don't think we should be afraid, but I think that's where the the real challenge will be. Well, um, we have a couple of people who think that it's really no big deal at all. Um, Salim, specifically, saying it's all Western propaganda to submit the rest of the world to the superiority of their technology. Nothing or little happened when they talk about the Industrial Revolutions. They were gradual and nobody felt any difference in their life. Owen, meanwhile, says, not worried. It should make us all more productive if we're not resistant to inevitable change. It's just another Industrial Revolution. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I read some of this history, uh, Salim, you know, and I, I wonder if that's actually true because industrial revolutions, including the cotton gin, the, you know, if you, if you know something of the of Western uh, industrial history, the, the Luddites, it's become a word that we use in the English language, were people resisting new forms of technology because they destroyed lives, they d- destroyed communities. And that is happening over and over again, maybe in smaller ways and in our, in our 
previous guest talked about uh, the move from taxis to uh, e-hailing, it did disrupt the way things used to be. Some people were hurt. People are always hurt. It's just a question of whether we as a society run roughshod over that hurt or try to compensate for it. So let us know. We are talking today about AI um, after the Minister of Human Resources raised the flag that, you know, 4.4.5 Malaysians may be unemployed by 2030 if they don't improve their skills. And we're asking you, do you see your job being deeply affected by AI? Is it something you're worried about? How are you preparing for it? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We've got a caller with us, actually. We've got Surin. Surin, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi. Uh, okay, my name is Surin, and and uh, I would like to just uh, mention that I'm in the industry where uh, we are supplying automatic machines, okay, automations. So there are many companies, like, for example, let's say you're bagging sugar, okay? The, those days, they, it used to be filling manually and then stitching it manually and then lifting up a 50-kilo bag. Operators, I've seen them doing it. They are really skillful, but it's very tiring. So now we have a robotic system where you can pick uh, after. In fact, the filling and stitching and everything is fully automatic. So instead of having about 10 operators there, you may need only maybe two to three operators just to make sure there's sufficient bags to be loaded again and all that. But the the, the, the robotics, you still need someone to be there because you may have jammed uh, situation or you may have uh, some malfunction. So you need, so it's not completely uh, uh, no more operators but, uh, or, or skillful engineers, but we need skillful engineers to handle the robot. Sir, so can I ask you a quick question? Do you think that what you're describing is really a lower level of, you know, kind of, or it's a level of automation that, that is distinct from the idea of artificial intelligence in work? So uh, in, in work, I think, like, like for us, in our industry, uh, using artificial intelligence uh, does uh, it, it only a, a small portion of it. But... Uh, in, you need to meet people. You need to uh, you need to have the bonding in order to do uh, to to have this kind of uh, uh, what do you call uh, artificial intelligence in terms of uh, how shall I say? I just cannot find the word. And uh, I think it will not completely uh, uh, remove the, the 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 people there. You still need people to handle this. Surin, thank you so much for calling and for sharing a specific example um, of a way in which an industry or, and particularly one segment of an industry can be pretty drastically changed. Yeah, so again, I think that we, we all need to kind of level up our understanding what artificial is, intelligence is and its application to different jobs. Uh, we know that uh, AI is being used in, in the media, like, you know, um, we, we have a local radio station, sorry, television station that is using um, AI. We, we have claims that a radio station as well is using AI in uh, DJing. So, so and, and you think, wow, DJ, so much personality 
see it's so human connecting with individuals. How is AI being used in something that we, you and me, Lynn, operate and do on a daily basis. So let us know, um, how will AI change or affect your job? Is it something you're worried about? Is it something that you're planning for? Uh, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note to 018-789-8899. You can drop a WhatsApp there as well and tweet us at BFM Radio. Baba from Malacca. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 6.48 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about artificial intelligence and whether you are... Whether you see it changing your job in a significant way. This is because uh, last week the HR Minister said that approximately 4.5 million Malaysians may face unemployment by 2030 if they don't upskill, basically, because of AI. So we want to know, I mean, not so much whether you are straight up worried that you're going to be replaced by a robot, but more, how will AI change your job? Are you using it already? Um, You know, are you preparing for it in some way, that number to call is 7733-2900. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, before we get to our our next set of messages, um, Sharad, I wanted to talk to you about this because this is something that our listeners wouldn't know, but um, it's well documented now. We have an age gap, you and I, Um, (laughs) but between the two of us, Mm. you're much more interested in AI than I am. And why is that so? Not why is that so. I think uh, I'm just intrigued by that firstly. And also because of that, I'm wondering if you've given it more thought about how it can change the work we do compared to me. Because I am still, you know, fully on board the, I'm happy with using it for research. I am very suspicious of using it for output because I think, um, you know, we, we go on and on and on about how accuracy is important, media literacy is important, and I'm loath to hand that over potentially to to AI for the time being. Um, but yeah, that's me. Yeah, I think my approach to it on one hand is like a toy, right? So I'm looking at ChatGPT as a tool, a toy, something I can I, I have fun with because I'm getting it to do tasks that I, you know, Google can't do. So a Google search can't do things like write me a script, uh, you know, uh, uh, give me the plot of a short story, all of which you can do because of the immense processing powers that lie behind something like ChatGPT. It's drawing from around the world. Uh, but I've heard over time uh, what what how it affects things, including the medical profession. And so, I mean, for me, it's just um, my sense of human history. And I, because I read about human history, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of James Lovelock, the Gaia Theory. Was, and last book, he died at 103, is Scene, which looks at artificial intelligence. So I've read the book and I, and I, you know, it, it gives me hope. I know that a lot of people are terrified, but it actually gives me hope because I see it's part of a narrative of how the planet itself is uh, becoming more reflexive. So we are asking you, um, how do you see AI affecting your job? Um, are you using it currently in your place of work? Um, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note to 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. On the line with us, we've got Alyssa. Alyssa, good evening. What are your thoughts? Oh, hi. Hello. Okay, hi. I'm Alyssa and I'm a government school teacher. Oh, that's very okay. interesting. Yeah, I, I'm a government school teacher, and I don't think that AI can replace teachers or tutors. 
Okay, because for me, human being, we need that human touch. And then uh, we know that um, schools, especially government school, we have to deal with all kind of disciplinary problems. Okay, and I don't really think that AI can solve those issues like bullying, um, aggression, uh, things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you point to some of the really unique human skills that are, I think you're right to say will be needed for some time to come. But where do you think, as a teacher, you can use AI to deliver the kind of uh, outcomes in terms of lessons uh, and knowledge, you know, delivery that you want? Yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty um, happy with the fact that AI can um, help me with my uh, lesson plan. Yeah, with uh, some ideas and and all, but um, for AI to replace teachers, I think that almost impossible. Yeah. Alyssa, thank you so much for calling. Um, I mean, I certainly hope so. I, I don't think, I, I certainly hope so. I think that teaching should be done by people. Yeah, teaching can. But, you know, like today, how many of us go online to uh, and, you know, will uh, you know, do a course online, uh, learn to do video editing online? And how much of that even really needs at this point in time a human person, including the FAQs uh, and the kind of like feedback, right? So AI teaches you how to do software editing or image editing or what, Photoshop, and then you have problems. The the point about AI, I think, is it, it is it, it can respond because the kind of questions that are going to be put to um, to the AI will probably be quite generic, and there'll be patterns of it, right? So that, I think that is what AI can do, and it can do it almost instantaneously. So. Um if we look at the messages, Hasman is saying, I work for a multinational in IT. At a recent town hall, this was asked. The answer from the management team was instead of being afraid of it, we're asked to embrace it and find ways that you can turn it into a leverage tool to assist your work and not uh, for it to take over. The inability to do so is where you lose your job. Yeah, you know, uh, Hasman, I absolutely agree with you because, you know, in a recent discussion I had actually with some uh, younger people, I, this is my, my attitude too. Rather than sort of hold it off and resist it because of the fear of job loss is to say, how can I use this and then help it add value to what I'm doing? I know this is some, you know, it's my maybe the tech optimist in me, the, the, the person who will always say, as our previous guest said, you know, yes, there'll be some job losses, but it'll actually also create jobs. And this is the tech optimist kind of mantra. You might not buy it. Well, um, in response to, you know, Hasman in some ways being told, you have to learn this, you have to use it as a tool. Jessica says, not everyone has that kind of brain for AI subjects. And I think this is a reference to the need to upskill. And um, Jessica, I'm, I'm interested in this partly because I think um, if we have the tech optimist on one hand, there is the tech pessimist on the other. And, and the association of all of this with math, with science, with computer science, with all these things. But of course, with AI, in theory, there are a few different, there are many different skill sets that you could use within this context to learn. Um, we're not necessarily talking about building the next AI tool. Um, we're talking about using AI in a way that is um, generative or, or interesting. And that can come from, uh, as Sherrod, you've been saying, asking the correct questions, um, learning the correct prompts, uh, you know, just 
maybe familiarizing yourself with tech, it doesn't have to necessarily mean a deep dive into coding. Absolutely. And I think that's where people uh, are confused or afraid, right? It's not us all becoming programmers. In mm. fact, the whole the genius of AI uh, systems will be is that we will be able to ask in very ordinary language uh, intricate questions uh, or co complex questions to a system that will understand ordinary language. I, th I think that is uh, so. We already know that e yes, we you know we in our previous discussion and say what skills do we want to put in schools? Say well, every kid should learn how to program, right? In fact, today they are. They are pro AI programs that will help convert ordinary speech into that coding. So I, I, I think that, yes, I mean, I think the there are, there, so this, you know, comes back to the, the tech optimist and, and pessimist question. Are there a lot of people who don't want to graduate from the routine mundane jobs that they have? Is that a possibility? Well, I mean, perhaps so. But the other thing is also, I wouldn't go that far. I think it might just be a fear of change. I might just like my life and I don't want to get a different job. And I don't want to have to go to night school. And I don't want to have to do these things. And I, I don't think that necessarily means people are in love with, you know, uh, whatever mundane aspects of their job there might be. It just might be a pure resistance to change, um, which is being pro uh, pointed out, I'm trying to find it, Akmal, who says, AI is a blessing for mankind. It will help reduce the cognitive strain over tedious jobs. Also, look at how AI can generate art based on mere words. So as the technology matures, the application of AI is going to be limitless. But of course, I don't think we will be seeing this in Malaysia in the nearest couple of decades. We always have been resistant to change. Lol. Chiral, uh, meanwhile, also says, can't wait for AI to take over my job so that I can just chill. Well, Cairo, if we have, you know, universal basic income or you already have wealth, uh, maybe this is, um, you know, this scenario will play out very, very well for you. But I mean, coming back to Akmal's, uh, you know, concerns, I do think that, you know, like art, right? So I'm because I love art, you know, and I, I write about it. And my concern is that we mistake what AI is doing with art. Much of what AI does, and you know, we see its application now in TV scripts, and we know there's a strike going on somewhere in this world. Um, it will only be able to take what is out there in the world is digitized, right? And it's going to be, um, it's going to be derivative, and that's the problem. Well, actually, I would also like to add on um, that I would, I, I really. I don't have that many resistances to um, AI, but I do have a problem with what we talk about when we say AI art because it steals. Um, it steals and it steals from human work. And I think that when we're too quick to extol it as, look, look, the new Mona Lisa, like it, it just, um, you know, looks over the fact that there are a lot of uncredited and unpaid people's work behind that. And as is, we don't pay illustrators enough, we don't pay artists enough, and then we're like, look, a computer did it. And I, I think we just need to be careful when we talk about AI art. Absolutely. That's my hesitation. Anyway, um, keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you about artificial intelligence and how you see it affecting your job. Is it already starting to? Um, are you using it in your workplace? Tell us that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You are listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And today, um, 
AI. Uh, because the the HR minister essentially warned that four and a half million Malaysians could find themselves facing unemployment by 2030 without upskilling. Um, and we're not talking again about upskilling to earn more or, or do anything of the sort. We're talking about upskilling to stay employed. And that's because of AI and the new challenges and opportunities it has in our job market. So we're talking about that and we're asking you, Essentially, do you see AI affecting your job in a big way? Have you already started using it in your work context? Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We've got lots of voice notes. Let's start off with this one from Dylan. Hello, BFM. I think the use case of the AI cannot be denied anymore. Even if you just Google it. Um, Harvard School, like Med School, actually, they just announced that they will um, now consider to use an AI to coach their undergrad medicine students next year, maybe, or something like that. As for myself, I use that really a lot for some of the article writings, um, checking my proofreading, for example, giving me some idea. It won't completely replace... Um, somehow the human need especially that i do agree we do somehow need to upskill ourselves but to be very specific that um, ai will come more and more this is just the beginning right but it, it is really going to be more innovative products coming um, later on so i think that as for ourselves there will be a lot of the skills that is needed still need to run the ai but to give the proper command to give them really direction what to do things like for example research based um, humans interactions may not be able to replace by ai completely because those critical thinkings is needed in some humans kind of the prompting what are you trying to solve for example and then i think that uh, we should have to look into ourselves for all across the industry as well thank you very much thanks dylan um Interesting to hear you use it and to explain how exactly you're using it. I think that writing is one of the, the main things that has come up in this conversation, perhaps because we're talking about chat GPT and therefore it's the interface that most of us will have encountered. And um, you're right, you're, you're not alone in talking about using it for writing in some form or another. Yeah, so it's I, maybe the seduction is it'll provide us with... Uh, you know, real sort of the hump that people have to get over when they have to sit down and write a brief, for instance, and or to write a 10-point, uh, you know, outline of things that need to be changed. And, and you know, and suddenly in in fi five seconds, you'll get those 10 points. Needless to say, you probably have to work on that and refine it. But that first draft is going to be produced by AI. Well, uh, Joe is also talking about this, actually. Okay, for your info... My company now encourage us to do and to use ChatGPT, okay, in our copywriting and caption. And then somehow this saves a lot of time. And then it still need human factor to narrating uh, the statement. Because ChatGPT, they needs our inputs. So we need human factor to give a specific input, uh, accurate input. And then after that, the ChatGPT will do their work. So I think we still can coexist with the uh, ChatGPT, AI ChatGPT. Okay, all right, that's all. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Um, so 
again, uh, someone who's using it specifically for writing. Yeah, um, you know, because that is not the the be all and end all. And I think Dylan pointed out, I mean, the technology is, you know, galloping away. And in many ways, what AI is going to do moving forward is to... uh, to give answers to questions that it wasn't even asked. And that is where AI becomes a thing in itself, right? It, it, it becomes a system that, that exists quite separate from the human being. And, and that's where, I guess, that whole robots versus, you know, human beings kind the of... singularity. Scenario. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's tapping into the singularity, the idea yes. that somehow, you know, uploaded uh, beyond our individuals, uh, individual human beings is going to be something like a collective consciousness, which AI is going to be able to tap into. A few more people talking about writing. Anon says, I'm pro-AI when it comes to things that require precision, like data analytics, stats, forecasting, and to a certain extent, even medical fields. But I'm absolutely anti-AI when it comes to creatives. For example, artists are losing jobs because companies would rather use AI and generate images for free instead of commissioning them. The same goes for writers. For example, a recent, uh, you know, a burger chain recently used AI to generate uh, an anime art for a promo instead of commissioning so many talented local artists. And in my department right now, some people are heavily relying on ChatGPT to write business proposal papers. If you can't even write them to convince the management, then maybe you don't deserve the job. Wow. Yes, but you know, so what about if you just use it for the first draft, right? Not the entirety, but just to get you over that hump. Um, I do believe, Lynn, that, you know, when you talked about how AI might be stealing images, uh, what if there was a system to identify those inputs and make those companies pay for it. So basically, you can't steal anymore. Would it, in fact, change the dynamics? At this point in time, and we know the whole fury of uh, of a Twitter and data scrapping, I think is what it's called, you know, um, that if we start to kind of put a number on what these processes, I mean, a monetary uh, figure to these processes, maybe it will dampen the stealing I I wish I could say that that would be the case, but I think that the way the internet works, um, as is now, above and beyond AI, it's not an exclusive AI problem, right? This notion of stealing from artists. What AI has done is mashed it up and made it more indistinguishable and harder to point out. And so I don't know that that price capping it will make a difference. I mean, as is, we are already seeing the problem even before this generation issue entered the picture. But I I think that we do need to think about how to manage it. I don't know if companies are going to be the right people to do it. Why would they care? So, you know, it's it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing. Uh, We've also got another voice note on the subject, I think, of writing from Dinesh. Hi, I work in the communications line uh, and ChatGPT and Google Bard have been my best friends um, because, you know, sometimes you need to write a press release very urgently or write a social media post very urgently and you have a, a million other things to do. So it has enhanced uh, and made my work life easier. I just need to put in the, the right prompts, put in all the information. And within seconds, it has written for me a, a press release or a post. And all I have to do is just make sure all the information is, is right, uh, edit it, add some human element to it. And then, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's ready. Another thing I would like to add is, um, can you just imagine just in the next few years we will probably have 
AI that is similar to Jarvis uh, that Iron Man uses. So we no longer need to uh, type in and communicate with the AI. We can just talk to it and it might be able to respond back to us and and who knows, it might help us to create things in whatever work that we do. So I think that's an exciting future and one that we should embrace instead of um, push back. That's my thought. Thanks, Dinesh. Um, you know, I, I like hearing from people who are excited about this, including you, Sharad, because I remain not. I mean, I, and this is not to to dampen the excitement all round. I acknowledge that it's here and here to stay. I'm not going to, you know, take a bat to a servo anytime soon. Um, it's just, I, I, I don't know why. I find it hard to summon to summon excitement over it. And I almost feel like the more excited people get, the further away I get. I'm not sure why. Well... There is this um, strange way in which the um, it, AI is a real challenge to our sense of self, right? What is it to be uniquely human? Because at this point, we're still talking about the baby stuff, right? The the toddler level of AI. And I think uh, for Dinesh, you know, what I found very interesting is that you see it as a time saver. It, it reduces some tasks and it frees you to do other things. And I think that's the narrative that's quite persuasive. Uh, but there's this also a real possibility that they will create a software uh, where you, that might eliminate you, right, in terms of the... Uh, of, insufficient number of tasks that you do within your job scope. And then what happens? And I think that's why, you know, um, we need as a society to think deeply about this and not just think of, yeah, okay, it's going to help with certain tasks. Keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you about AI and whether you see it affecting your job in a big way. Are you already using it right now in your line of work? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Banana from Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.19. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And we're talking about AI and how it might affect your job in the future or right now uh, and whether you're using it. You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Messages are continuing to come in, but so too are the voice notes. Before we get to the next one, though, I'd like to uh, address this one from Kaskau, who says, AI advances may cause job losses in Malaysia, particularly in manufacturing, transportation, customer service and administration by 2030. Now, Kaskau added, I give this opinion by asking ChatGPT. Imagine the new generation relying on all answers, mostly with asking AI. And firstly, I mean, that's a clever message. But the other thing um, that I was thinking about, actually, is that this is something I've been considering a lot because... um, Our line of work, Sharad, requires general knowledge. And I think that we've seen, in general, you can see a change in how people process general knowledge from generation to generation. And the internet really changed everything. So because you don't need to retain anything, right? If you forget something, you can just pick up your phone and get it. I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying that this is in fact the process. Whereas if you grew up needing an encyclopedia, um, it's very different. You could be out in the world and you have to ask somebody, what is the capital of Argentina? Because you don't have your phone to check. Um, And so that's the internet. Now with AI, I wonder how that will change the way people process general knowledge and how you learn things. Because it requires on you asking and then you receive something, 
But I don't know. I, I just think about that process of learning and how it shifts. You know, when you, you, you mentioned my age earlier, and I, you know, I, I didn't I, mention your age. I said we have an age gap. Yeah, yes, but you know, it suggests that I am much older than you. And I remember this whole capitals of the world thing that, you know, quiz were very big in classrooms. And this is how an individual human child developed their sense of the world, right? By doing these quizzes, going to class, reading books. Now I, I know that, you know, I'm a generation that didn't have those tools. Now I, I have those, those tools and I still have my my you know my background the next generation is going to be so much more adept the question is what what are issues and and how will they frame the world for themselves i think is is a, the more interesting question i actually don't worry that human beings um have all this processing power because i don't think it's necessarily made anybody better or brighter to have the you know mobile phone in their hands it just made the order of problem greater for them. Back to the voice notes. Uh, let's start with this one from Chi Hong. Hi, BFM. Um, I'm a technical writer. So my company is actually using a self-deployed uh, chatbot, but we are using uh, ChatGPT's models as the engine to run the chatbot. So uh, I would say we actually, <clears throat> we are already in the um, AI era, at least few years, I mean start from few years back, because Google uh, is already um, applying their own AI models, the BART or the BERT model uh, into their search engine. So I mean, we are already in using AI daily, just that many of us uh, don't aware so uh, I wouldn't say that AI could completely <clears throat> replace uh, the human because like like my uh, routine job now every day I need to train the chatbot with our own data set to make sure the answer that generate by that chatbot which is powered by um, ChatGPT models is accurate and wouldn't um, generate some funny answers to our users or partners. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chi Hong. Um, I'd like to pair that up with the, the people who are saying garbage in, garbage out because Tony is saying AI will always be limited by that because it can't think critically like humans can with the amount of false or fake information online. One should be very careful with how the AI gives answers to complex questions. Simon also says, you know, um, new AI platforms are mere tools. A good user gets good results. Subpar users get subpar quality output. Um, yeah, and, and then goes on to give an example. Yeah, in fact, if you go and sign up for ChatGPT, there is a little thing that tells you that this is a work in progress. And uh, what ChatGPT or the learning system there are pulling from all around the world, they're, they're learning. They, I think they're deeply aware, the innovators or the people who invented this know exactly the limitations of ChatGPT at this point in time. The question is, because the the processing strength, power that this, these systems have, we're going to see real advances very quickly. And then the question is, how is it going to be applied? So Chiang's um, uh, you know, description of what he does, I found fascinating. I, I'm going to have to Google much of it, though. Uh, 
We've also got, I think, some further voice notes that have come in. Um, let's start with this one from uh, Cheng Yutan. I've been in the seminar and training industry since 2012 and uh, we do certainly see a shift when it comes uh, in this industry itself. People are embracing uh, AI coaches and teachers and then especially when it comes to uh, marketing, AI has definitely been a, a godsend, especially if you're a marketer, you're a solopreneur uh, or you're just uh, starting off. Um, so AI is definitely uh, here to stay. If it replaces uh, people's uh, job, you know, it just pushes them towards uh, entrepreneurship, uh, I feel. And uh, the good news is that with the AI tools available, uh, now it's easier than ever to become an entrepreneur. So let's embrace AI and uh, adapt uh, with the times. Ching Yu, thank you for that. Um, actually, you are not alone in pointing out... Um trying to look for it. There was another message that spoke about, okay, Danny says, I don't buy the I'll lose my job argument. In the long term, people whose jobs are displaced will find other non-AI replaceable jobs and be productive again. In the short term, yes, there will be pain. Those who support this argument would presumably have gone against the invention of cars because it took away the business of horse carriages. Yeah, so this is the anti-Luddite position, the position that says, you know, uh, not only that resistance is, um, you know, futile, but more importantly is that you don't embrace progress, right? Because progress just takes us to another level, new things will be created. And I love the fact that people will recognize this pain because there will, they will be pain. Uh, we've also got Roberto, I think, responding to the point about learning. Lean, what you are proposing is just something that it has long taken over by Google. Learning has been um, done now through YouTube tutorials and Google answering. So what we are witnessing now is the humanized version of the same action, but let's say that a little bit more conversational. So the learning process, it won't change. It's always the same. Somebody's asking and something, now something is answering. Roberto, thank you so much for that. Um, I, I think maybe, you know, this is my fault. Um, I wasn't clear. I think I'm talking about retention. Yeah, not so much the process of learning, but how much you retain and the need to retain. Yeah, so, you know, there, there are some theories about reading and how it transformed the human brain. Um, uh, I, uh, Proust and the Squid, I think, is the book to read if you want to know that. Will, in fact, our, our use of computers and technology, not reading books from cover to cover as we used to do, will that change us and change our brains for the worse? Maybe for the better, I don't know. I want to close off with Stephen who says, it sounds like Skynet creeping in starts with good intention before the machines fight to take control. Better identify a Sarah Connor, pronto. How's that for a BFM crossover with popcorn culture? Stephen, I wanted to read this partly because I just read an interview today with Ted Chang, who is a science fiction author. Um, you know, you may know his work uh, as being adapted into Arrival, for instance. And he spoke about how sometimes when we use pop culture paradigms to understand 
AI, it's very dramatic and it's very fun to imagine, but that sometimes it limits us. And I just thought it was interesting to to think about that because the Sarah Connor and, um, you know, just Skynet, all of that comes up a lot. But then um, it, it shapes the way we think about it in such a way that it doesn't allow us to imagine something else. Please share that article with me because it sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's a very good read. Anyway, I would recommend that. Uh, okay, we have been talking today about AI. I'm so sorry to everybody whose messages and voice notes we didn't get through. It was a packed show. Uh, thank you, everybody, for getting in touch. This has been Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.